This podcast is a conversation by Julie Benetti and Susan Barbro and is a production of VI Alliance Copyright 2019. And this chart-busting hit, Alone Leave Me, courtesy of New Threads, is available everywhere. We are continuing with Lao Tzu's Tao Te Ching, number 10. This is Susan and Julie. And so I think the focus is learning and experiencing here. Almost asking the question, can you live in, with, around, and about that? And what does that mean? And again, it's kind of focusing in the space between the breath, specifically educating the soul so that it encompasses one and you stay true to the core of what you really know and live with that and stay in the flow of things. Otherwise, you know, you get watered down by judgments or what occurs. And so I think that's what I kind of get out of this one. Every science says, can you educate? Can Mm. you make? Can you cleanse? Can you love? Can you penetrate everything with your inner clarity and purity without having need for action? Generating and nourishing generating and not possessing, being effective and not retaining, increasing and not dominating. This is the secret life. To me, the part here is also, can you? You know, and it's interesting because I'm also reading the other books in tandem with this. And the can you, to me, the answer to that is your imagination. Mm. Can you imagine making your strength unified? Can you imagine cleaning your secret seeing to Mm. see clearly? Can you imagine it? If you can't imagine it, you can't make it happen. I agree with you. This is about Mm -hmm. living here. But to me, when I look at that, it's the can you, it's the idea of the imagination. And that if you can imagine doing something, and sometimes for me, when I have a hard time doing something, I say, come on, Susan, think, think, come on, you can do this. And it's getting rid of the garbage that's not working for you and it's like can you imagine things working for you and i agree because the stress of that meaning the stress of those words they're continuously in each you know every second sentence the stress of that words is almost like a dare you know it's almost like the energy of a dare can you be strong but still engaged knowing how it is here can you see the truth and still be involved with others and not get corrupted in your own thoughts and you know i'll be the first to admit that i do you know i get caught in that so then that's when i you know i admit i sit back and i say all right come on you know better you know this and it's and it really becomes a matter of mind over matter i have to tell myself yes this is what the truth of it is and yes this is how it's going to work out for me mm-hmm. this is how i'm choosing to see it i think it's you know can you i think the idea of can you do this cool so moving on to number 11 30 spokes around the hub and their nothingness consists the carriage's effectiveness one hollows the clay and shapes it into pots and its nothingness consists the pot's effectiveness. Right. And there's such a strength to that in the nothingness. There's a huge amount of effectiveness. And it really, Mm. to me, it deals with the importance of being. Because a lot of times, you know, know, do you have a purposeful life? You know, what are you doing? Are you kind of stuck in the do? You know, what are your goals? What are your desires? And here it just says, it talks about the importance of being in your usefulness in a way that really elicits a pictorial understanding from the creation of a pot. I mean, that's so beautiful that you need to create it by hollowing out the clay. Yet the most important part is that empty part because that's what holds Mm. everything. And I think that's a good kind of derivative of almost man, the outside and the inside. And the last two lines, what exists serves for possession. What does not exist serves for effectiveness. There's the physical Mm. 
and really the the energy and and you know i think it also comes down to this whole idea of which is your favorite you know are we a soul in a body or are we uh, a body and a soul they're both there and what you think is nothing is really the most powerful part of you right which is the inside of the bowl and what he puts in here the inside is where it's it's clear there's nothing but that's the that's what's effective that's where you hold soup you hold right whatever it's going to hold that right. you're going to enjoy the pot is just a vessel yep. to give you to hold what's important again bring it to cosmology and I'm not by any means an expert or <laughs> it's the whole idea of, of dark matter is we think it's nothing. Again, dark is simply, it's really invisible. They just say dark because mm-hmm. they say space is dark and they can't see it. But it's not necessarily dark. But it's interesting because they think it's nothing. We think there's nothing between us. We're sitting here talking and there's nothing. Right. Yet that's everything is holding everything. The I red agree. Go. It's holding everything. Exactly. I agree. I think, again, I would stress that this is also about usefulness. And sometimes you wonder what you're doing and why you're doing it. And it's not that we're all, you know, cogs in the system, but it's more that we're all in this together. And that's something. Yep. And actually, that's Dow. So that's really cool. I love that. <laughs> that's <one>. what we're <laughs> reading. <laughs> there you go. All right. Oh, number 12. Go ahead, Jules. Okay. To me, number 12 kind of gives the sentiment of reaction. You know, your reaction of your experience with the Tao. And we can look at the five colors and I can ask you, what do you think that means? I thought it was fascinating that he picked five because, of course, I work with numbers. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, seven. It should be seven colors because that's what our eyes perceive. But And then the five flavors. This, and the reason I go with, I can understand five because in, in Chinese medicine, they do attribute five with the five elements. and right. five tastes. So that's where I went. I mm-hmm. went just to the five. And, I st- and immediately I thought of, okay, north, south, east, and west. You talk about the four quarters and the great spirit. You know, in the realm of, you know, whatever you want to call a mystical mm-hmm. calculation mm-hmm. of a grand circle or whatever to do whatever kind of work you want. But then I also went into the senses, taste, right. touch, smell, right. hear, see. And in the relevance of this, I just felt the sensation of what he dabbles in and connects the five to is just... It's not a senses. physical focus, right? Well, it's that's not to take right. a physical it's, it's focus. It's what we that, physically see, hear, right. taste, touch smell those all work as the last line says work for the body's needs right not for the eyes he removes the other and takes this i know i just jumped ahead but it's basically like those were all good for the body for the physical and that's funny i thought when he mentions the man of calling i immediately went to okay it works for the body's needs so that's the energy and not the eyes which is the perception or the physical Mm. and then i always you know i went right to that representation that you always do about the thumb the thumb is the me and and the eye is is the body i mean the thumb is a part of the body so the thumb is important the thumb needs to do the job of the thumb it can't be a knee it can't be an eye but the thumb is a part, a greater part of the body. The thumb works in conjunction with the body. Yes, because, you know, the, the last stanza there, therefore the man of calling works for the body's needs, not for the eyes. I mean, that's perfect. 
This is Julie here with Susan. What's one of the favorite books that we've written together? My favorite would be Energetic Invocations mm. because you tricked me into writing it. <laughs> it wrote itself and I just was grateful to be a part of it. I like all the books we've written. We've had so much fun, but that's probably my favorite. What you know, you? I agree with you. I love Energetic Invocations and I love the invocations because they're really powerful and I love the way it slides into the Ender Scripts. Hey, do you know what you get me for Christmas? Hmm, not sure yet. Well, don't be thinking you're gonna give me any of the books we've written, because I have all of those. Yeah, but they're e-books, they're quick read, yet they keep making you go back because you think you got it, and you gotta go back and read it again because there's something more each time. It's like a gift that keeps giving. I agree with you, they're in my pile to read again over <laughs> and over. But you know, I'm kind of stuck on this Christmas trivia right now. Get a great trivia book by Julie Benetti on Amazon today. Number 13. Now, I, I got the semblance of the energy of this as the reaction as the person. Again, you know, I see a lot of sarcasm in this, yet serious. Because it talks about persona, it talks about grace and then honor. And, you know, grace is a shame, is as shameful as fright. Honor is as a great evil like the persona. So, persona is an individual's social facade a character or an image. So it talked about honor is a great evil like the persona. And then I looked up honor. Of course, it's written in a British uh, format. American English is not the same as British English. And the guy that wrote it used the British English, Richard even though he's right. German. So honor re uh, represents reputation, recognition, standing. So when I take a step back, it's he's putting together persona and honor and all this is like all bad and grace being aligned with that. We think as grace is being from God and, and virtuous and, and it's mm -hmm. saying all of that is as bad as persona, which to me is like fake. It's all this fake stuff. Mm. is what he's saying is all the evil. And so it's like at the bottom when he says, the reason I experience great evil is that I have a persona. If I have no persona, what evil could I experience? So then that was one thing. And then when, at the end it says, therefore, whoever honors the world in his persona, to him one may entrust the world. Whoever loves the world in his persona, to him one may hand over the world. So to me, it's almost, it's like it's a joke. It's, there's the sarcasm. Mm. If you're caught up, I honor the world in my, in, you know, I'm honor, I recognize as to who I am, then, you know, you can entrust the world to them. It's almost like, yeah, here you go. Here's the world that you've created. I give it to you. It's almost like, mm -hmm. this is what you believe. Well, here you go. I, I bequeath it to you. Good luck with that. It's a little bit sarcastic note, but that was my interpretation because I'm like, that's interesting because it didn't make sense to me. And I'm like, oh, if I go into sarcasm. And that's why I said it's a projection of more serious sarcasm mm. because it's almost like a whiplash sarcasm. Mm. If that's what you're going to do. And, and the funny part to me is that, you know, I got a sense of the persona of the you that you're projecting. You know, is that really your presence? That's the you that you're projecting. No, and the grace the, as the judgment based on your actions. And the funny part about it is if once you attain it, I think he says that in there, then you have to maintain it. So that's not really the actual you it, agreeing with what you just said. Honoring the world in your presence, it's entrusted to you in that sense, almost like the Tao. And loving the world in your presence, you can share it with all. 
when you say it, I, I didn't get it that way. But grace, because it is like virtuous, it's like godlike. And if you attain grace, then you're kind of stuck with it. Right. You have to maintain it. That's hard. It takes work. Well, it's not real. Right. I mean, right. no one is any one thing. Nobody. You know, we could sit here and talk about racism. We could talk about bigotry. We can talk about, you know, all those things. And that's if you assume someone's one thing and that's it. Right. <laughs> and that's just not the way we're built. We're, mm-hmm. you know, skin color or your beliefs are a part of it. But, you know, that, that doesn't make up who you are. And people change all the time. I mean, maybe you don't change your skin color, but that certainly doesn't mean that your skin color means any one particular thing. So it's, and so Grace, you don't think of it that way. But if, oh, you're such a good person, you right. now you're stuck. How do right. you you know, make mistakes. How do you grow and maybe make a mistake and do something that's wrong, not because you want to, but then that limits you. Mm-hmm. That's actually, that's what this does is it limits you. So 14, 14 is a little bit of a long one. Yet the vibration I got was just how Tao is continuous, the continuity of Tao. And there's a certain vibration of uncertainty and chaos, yet still being in that and being resilient at going with the flow. The only thing I took to on this is the very end, because of course I always go to the end because that's where the answer is. It's like, you know, you want to open to the book and go to the last page. Like it says, if one holds fast to the Tao of antiquity in order to master today's existence, one may know the ancient beginning. This means Tao's continuous thread. And, you know, to me, again, I I, I think I go to the, you know, the sarcasm, because if you hold fast you know, and of course I re- read, you know, people think of holding fast as it's like you're holding on so tightly. And I, I looked it up and it's a nautical term. It was almost like a vast, you know, hold fast. It started from like Norwegian or Danish, you know. And the meaning, and this is, there is an importance to what I'm saying. <laughs> the meaning was for deckhands to get a good grip. So it sounds like you would think it's digging, hanging, hanging tough, but it actually meant the opposite to a sailor. And this is, I'm quoting someone, it says, stop whatever it is you are doing. If one holds fast to the Tao of antiquity, which really means stop everything you're doing, you're not holding on to it, just be in that space in order to master, then you may know the ancient beginning. So actually, instead of holding fast to it and trying to get it, sometimes you kind of have to stop everything Mm. and just be in the space of it. And that actually circles back around to the beginning because it gives that ambiguity of what we talked about in the very first few stanzas of this, you know, one, two, three, and four. You look for it, you don't see it. You listen for it, you don't hear it, you know, in the subtleness of it. You, you know, you reach for it, it's not there. And then it's funny, it goes right into the non-existence of it. And it takes us right into the non-existence so, of Tao. But one really beautiful explanation, this is called the formless form, the objectless image. I mean, that's just like kind of a mind expander. But, because if you think about what yeah. that means, the formless form, you know, the objectless image is so powerful. I mean, if you go to neuroscience and what your brain does and how your mind constructs stuff and how you're comprehending that, it kind of releases it all. And you go into, wait a minute, that's a dichotomy there. It's a, you know, so, two negatives. And so it takes us back to the source that there's nothing to perceive. You go all the way back to the continuous thread. It's almost like a continuous cycle, and you access everything in the present moment. 15, So going into 15, I think continuing with the continuity of Tao, it stretches into giving us a glint of, you know, what the ancient beginnings were. 
almost the Tao of antiquity. It's almost like a time travel passage, at least to me. The ancient times, they were competent as masters. They were one with the invisible forces of the hidden. And this is fascinating because how are others interpreting them? And it, for, for me, in this translation, it sounds like, you know, so others can only describe what they see, what they wonder about, what they're possibly afraid of, what they're not sure about, yet they really don't know the masters. And if you think about life today, I mean, that occurs all the time with everybody when you perceive something incorrectly and you really don't know what someone else is thinking. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know why they're doing something. And this is fascinating because it kind of time travels us back to, you know, here's the master's. They're, they stay clear and they stay steadfast because they're in the Tao. They're with the Tao. They're not looking for something from the outside world or from the world of perception, yet they're being perceived. And all the while, they're complete with Tao. So I just think that if you can create stillness little by little, you can clear up the turbid little by little, and you can do those things... When you're in that, you do not desire abundance because the more you clear things, Mm -hmm. the more you see that things are just things. And if you don't have abundance, you know, it says for only because he has no abundance, therefore can he be modest, avoid what is new and attain completion. Things out there do not make you whole. Mm. You make you whole. You make your mm-hmm. in in yourself makes yourself whole. And I don't think there's an in any. This is the answer for any one person. I think right. everyone becomes whole in the way that they do. I mean, we can read, we can listen to music, we can look at art, mm-hmm. we can look at we can do things that can help us. But everyone has their own definition of being whole. Yet, what I think is continuous through everyone is. It's within us. The being right. holds within us. There's nothing out there that will bring you. In. And he says he uses the word attain completion. To me, I figure attain completion is being the feeling of being whole. Mm-hmm. You know, and we all need to learn this. And I threw myself right there mm-hmm. in the front of the line that we all need to learn mm-hmm. to understand that there's nothing we need out there that's going to make us whole. And the minute we start looking outside, God, you're, you're, you're losing it. All this is going to all go away. So, And it's a, it's a beautiful description of, you know, the world of perception. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, Julie, we wrote 10 plays of the Enter Scripts. Yes. Do they seem believable to you? Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? They're a hoot. I relive them most of the time. <laughs> but they're not traditional magic scripts. No, they're not. It's real magic based okay. in energy. It's cool stuff. And everybody can do it. That's right. Everybody can. You know what? People are always posting quotes. You don't even know if they're really true. Or they're quotes that you've read 10,000 times. Right, and you're supposed to like them. What about quoting from something different and new? Oh, now that would be fun. We did it and took quotes from our Energetic Invocations books, and we put it in a quote book. They're really good. How do I live when I don't fit in? You can find it on Amazon. 
Tarot cards are a cool tool to open up and expand your intuition. In fact, the major arcana, the picture cards, are said to follow the stages of life from birth to death and beyond. In the same way, Susan and I blocked out the experience of life into parts, self, journey, people, environment, and world in our book, Energetic Invocations, A Book of Vibrational Change. Each part intensely explores aspects of the life experience. But don't take my word for it. Check it out on Amazon. Download the parts as an ebook or get the whole book available now. Okay, number 16. For me, the vibration of this is kind of just staying steadfast with Tao. And how do you do that? You just stay clear, stay in the space between. There's a stillness there. You go with the flow. The flow occurs. It's continuous. There's a lot of movement to this. You know, returning to the root means stillness. Stillness means return to fate. Return to fate means eternity. It's like, you know, hopping from one lily pad to the next, yet there's a continuity to it that leads to, you know, when they say eternity, once again, that's like infinite. So to me, I I begin again, understanding, you know, uh, traditional Chinese medicine is, to me, is yin and yang. It's a continuation. It goes, you know, Mm -hmm. date goes into, you know, afternoon into evening into early you know late night early morning morning day it's it's a continuous flow yin turns into yang again once again go with the flow it's like it's going to occur that's life that's cycle that's nature in my mind again we'd say the Tao is the way it's the path it's going to occur and if you think it's not going to you know people oh it's not it's like no the, you know it's I, it's the annie song i say to my kids when things are tough you know i'm not going to sing it and spare you but you know the sun will come out tomorrow you know bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun i think that's what this is talking about is that yes the sun will come out tomorrow yes tomorrow will come we think oh my god this is the end of the world what am i going to do how am i going to get through this and this just reminds you, it's the way you, things will work out. Things do eventually work out for all of us at some point. Sometimes you just can't see it when you're in the immediacy of, of what's going on. But I mean, this passage is beautiful for that, that, mm-hmm. you know, things are going to move. It's going to move whether you think it or not. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, it's easier to get through something when you know that things are, things are going to move and you're going to get through it. And the ironic part of that is that the duration and, and the focus of that, and, you know, it's kind of like, how, how do you stay steadfast with Tao? And, you know, it's funny because the answer to that is actually in the process of it. You go with the flow, you stay steadfast with Tao. It's kind of like, oh, okay, you go with the flow, you stay steadfast with Tao. I mean, exactly what you said. There's a reason it's written here. It's because right. we need to remember. Right. But, you know, there's times in your life and you think, oh, my God, my life's coming to an end. Mm-hmm. How am I going to get through this? What am I going to do? And... You you quote freak out and you know and and in this world where there's so much anxiety, you, you get to a point where if you know this is going to pass and I'll be okay. And exactly what you said there is is in cognition of eternity means clarity. If one does not recognize the eternal, one falls into confusion. Right. And that confusion is the you know fixing stuff, the drama. I, I don't even go important. into that. I go into anxiety. Right. Anxiety. I go into depression. Yep. I go into that fear. That people, when they, oh my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? And that's not minimizing what people go through because no. we all yeah. have that. Yet, if you can understand, this too will pass. That's just a much nicer way of saying it. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. So for the last two, 
I think the last two kind of sort of go together, 17 and 18. Okay. And it's about the Tao outside and in, but it's layers of it. These are shorter than the other yeah. ones that in this section. In 17, I, I found an irony between, is he describing the great one as a man of calling? Or is it just the Tao that he's talking about? If a holy great one rules. I mean, there's a layer to this. If the Tao is the, the rule you know, that's the, you know, being present and being in the flow. And, Wouldn't and a great one be just someone who's in alignment with the Tao? It doesn't have to be the Tao. It could be both. Well, exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. could yeah. be both. That's, and I think there's such a beautiful layer in, to this, and it's a very short one. Mm-hmm. Yet there's a huge amount to it. There's a real depth to it. Well, basically what it says is if you're one of these people that goes out and tries to make everyone afraid of you, you're the biggest dope of all. The people that go out there and say, I control this, you're going to do this, and I'm this and I'm that, are completely in another world. Mm. Their own world. And it's a sick world. I, I think it's funny how he, when he starts out the first part, and he talks about lesser men, and sometimes you can read that in two different layers, where you know that's a kind of a reaction or a judgment that they're loved and praised, or that's a statement of their condition. You know that they're feared, loved, praised. That's it's it's a little bit of a, a hairy difference, you know. It's, but it's, the well, the and, great one, you don't know they exist. The the ruler who's a great ruler is ruling, and you're not even aware of it. Mm-hmm. The lesser one, less one step down from the great one, is loved and praised. They love the ruler because now they're aware of him, and they're loving him and praising him or her. And then the next level. Well, I so can that's read that I differently. That. I can read yeah. it differently as well because you're actually when you talk about it, when you put it into words and you're expressing it, I just hear the Tao. The Tao is, you know, it's always there. It's ever present because you said people hardly know that he exists. I mean, it's a funny kind of way to personalize it. And then after Lao Tzu says these things, or this is transcribed, he says how thoughtful one must be in what one says. And I take that as sincere sarcasm because it's kind of like a joke. To say, think about what I'm saying here. It's almost hypnotic what he does. Mm. If you look at it, it's so layered. You know, what occurs, occurs. Whether you know it or not. For example, the earth, we're not rocking back and forth, but it's revolving right now on its axis. The seasons are occurring. But, you know, how are we experiencing these? You can study science and you can say, okay, it's occurring because of this. But no matter what, business occurs. It's even like our own bodies you know, what occurs in our own bodies that we just take for granted. And there's something really interesting to that. We take for granted a lot of stuff that occurs. We don't think when we get up and walk what's occurring in our body for us to walk and what signals are occurring and what's happening in our autonomic nervous system and everything. Yet it still occurs, and that's just like the Tao. So then go to 18. And and 18, to me, was very frustrating. (laughs) So, um, and so I took this as complete irony. It's, it's, you know, so the dial perishes, really? Well, things still go on, don't they? Once again, well, it can't perish. Right. So that's, that's why I'm, I'm exactly. And so it's inherent in all of us. It's with all of us. It's inherent in all of us. Whatever virtues are going to come out, whatever's going to occur, you know, it's like that saying life goes on. You know, it's funny because sometimes you say president's elected. Oh, my God, the president's going to rule. The pre-, but there's always like a government and there's other people doing stuff and life goes on. It's like your body moving without you, you with you taking for granted certain situations that occur. You might say 
how does it work? Well, it's not so important as that it does work. Right above, he says, be thoughtful in what one says. And then he says this. So there's got to be some something to it. Is it all just a joke? I mean, I don't think so. So I understand what you're saying, and I, I'm not disagreeing. I think there's another level to it. Well, I think in 17, it's an expression of, okay, here's the, the great one that rules. And so he's almost giving a, you know, what if situation and hinting at the Tao. And I don't know him. I'm just suggesting this. Yet then with that sentence, how thoughtful one must be in what one says, it really makes you stop and think, well, what is he saying? And then as it goes into 18, it says, well, okay, now what if it dies and it's not here? Well, stuff is still going on. So he almost gives the the two different extremes of possibility. When I look at this, I just look at the last part when it says, when states are in confusion, there will be faithful servants. I think all of that, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. I think that, you know, when you look at this, like, why would he have a whole separate stanza about if the Tao perishes and talk about it and cleverness in it? It's like when states are in confusion, because all of that's confusion. When I read this, it makes, based on everything we've read, none of that makes sense, right? It's opposite. So when states are in confusion, there will be faithful servants. You know, if you have to vacuum a room, you take out the vacuum, you vacuum the room, and you clean it, and it's clean. How often do you say, oh, how does this vacuum work? It just does. You know it works, and there's a process to it, but you're not thinking about that when you vacuum the room. And I think in this, when he says, when states are in confusion, there will be faithful servants, it means when there doesn't seem any rhyme or reason to what's occurring. I mean, yeah, Tao doesn't perish. It's it's continuous, Yet when states are in confusion, still somebody's running something. You know, things are occurring, processes are happening. And, you know, I don't know if this stuff is on autopilot or what. Yet it, it, it's kind of funny if you ask how it works. It's almost not so as important so, as it does. Work. As I see, is it's when I'm seeing, you know, all of this craziness, when it's saying when all these things that actually appear, you know, so over the top, like when people say, you know, I don't know what this world is coming to and things are crazy out there and what are people doing and none of this makes sense. Throughout that, no matter how it appears, there will be faithful servants. When I I think of there will be faithful servants, it's certain laws, universal laws will still govern. And I don't mean universal Mm -hmm. laws by people. I mean by nature. Some of the basic tenuance to being in this life. Because when I read this, I'm like, oh my God, this is like all gone awry. Litany of all these things that make no sense. There will be faithful servants. Meaning that when everything appears as though it's all is lost and things are upside down and nothing makes sense... Those universal laws that he's talking about through this, and we've read in other books, prevail. What you see mm-hmm. and what you think is not going to change what's going to occur with the Tao. Right. Things make no sense to me. Well, I have to know that the energy does make sense. Mm-hmm. And the movement and all of that is consistent. That's the quote, faithful servant, is the energy is consistent. And I don't mean predictable. I mean consistent, whereas people aren't always consistent. Events occur, things happen, but there's a consistency of the Tao of the energy. Okay, that concludes sections 10 to 18. In our next podcast, we'll be continuing further with nine more.
Thank you for listening to this production from EI Alliance. Check out our Amazon authors pages for books and podcasts. Find New Threads music and their latest album on iTunes, Spotify, and newthreads.us.